Are you looking for a comprehensive and convenient online health fitness training platform? Look no further than Vikido Fitness Academy. With a variety of programs designed to meet your needs, this platform offers everything from weight loss and wellness group coaching programs to an emotional intelligence course. You'll learn what to eat in order to achieve optimal health and energy levels. You'll have access to exercise training, live coaching meetups with myself, Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and other instructors, as well as support and accountability throughout your journey. Whether you prefer to work out at home or at your favorite gym, Vikido Fitness Academy makes it easy to follow along with their programs. So get started on your journey to better health and fitness. Visit vikidofitness.com forward slash VDF Academy. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 91. This is Men's Health Month. We take a look at some of the health screenings that men need to protect themselves and live healthy. We also talk about men's mental health symptoms, treatments, and where they can find help. We reveal an excerpt from Dr. Brian Williams' upcoming book on racism, violence, and how we can heal. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks is in the house. How are you hey today? Hey, now, what's happening? <laughs> I am fine. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we spend most of our time talking before we hit the recording. I know, button. right? We have a whole show before. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get the scoop on what's happening, right? Yep. That's the day. That is it. Well, you know, I'm excited because we are truly hot, but it is kind of weird how it's hot in the daytime and then it's really cool at night. That's interesting. I know. It's really weird. I know. That's interesting. Know. But hey, we are here and we are excited that we are still kicking it. And today, this is episode 260. And we talk wow. about research. I know. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 91. Now this is June and it's Men's Health Month and we are taking a look at the important screenings that our men need so that they can be proactive and protect themselves and live healthy. We also taking a look, we're taking a look at men's mental health, symptoms, treatments, and where folks can find help. 
We're talking about all of these articles and much, much more on this episode of It's All About Health and Fitness. And as per usual, Dr. D. Banks will give us the latest on COVID, bacteria, fungus, fungi, fungal. (laughs) What's coming to get us? What is coming to get us? Virus, whatever. (laughs) Right. So that we can be prepared. Get in tune or stay tuned, folks. Whatever you have to do so that you can listen to this show. And so what do you say to that, Dee? I'm looking forward to our show today. And uh, yeah, the weather has been kind of weird. You know, we I think we had summer in May and that's probably going to be about it. That's going to be about it. I don't know. That's going to be about it. We got to get used to that, right? I know. Yeah, back to being kind of keeping a jacket. um, Speaking of that, not to change the subject, but a Uh lot of wineries lost a lot of, well, it was hot. And then there was a big freeze. Okay. And a lot of wineries lost a lot of grapes. Because uh, of that? At the end of May in uh upstate new york and all these places because of the change because the weather was weird i can see that i can see that that's going to affect our our drinking you know exactly that's exactly (laughs) what i thought oh yeah (laughs) right exactly so maybe this will be our dry month (laughs) exactly Shoot, we might have to. I might have to hold off. That's it. But put they that. And they say the prices are going to be going yes, up. Yes. As well. So you know, the, and it's hard to kind of. You lose a crop. It's not like you can grow a grape. Yes. Know, overnight. No, no. You have to wait, yeah. and it's the seasons yeah, yeah, and all exactly. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. But yeah, those are the things that we are dealing with. But we are here for this show, and I want to ask folks and tell folks and remind folks. Make sure, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. When you subscribe, you will be notified first. When we post a new show, you will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in other guests and talk about the things that are important for our health and our well-being in our community. And as you know, we do not, we don't just talk about our physical health, but we talk about other things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. We believe in total well-being, having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review of this show because that is how we grow and increase our listeners. And we appreciate you. And as always, Dee, what do we say? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, Dee, yes, guess what? It is happy. Now, I have to say this slowly because you know my (laughs) speech issues with the S's and things. I'll be saying all kinds of stuff, but I still managed to say the S word. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any problem with that. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I might oh, have to rethink say, that. Right, right. <laughs> but this is happy summer solstice, June yes. 21st, twenty twenty three. of the year. The longest day of the year. You yeah. usually celebrate. You gonna celebrate a little something today, or you... um, you know, I might do something. I might just really try to stay up and watch the sunset because it's going to be up until 
nine something. Yes. I forget what time the sun is going to go down, but uh, and then each day. Now somebody said it's going to remain like this for four days. Then it starts after start that going back. Yeah, yeah, it's about a week, about five, four days. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, then, that's what I heard. And then after that, it start getting shorter a and a shorter. Day or yes, like that. yes, yeah. and and we'll be able to kind of tell. We'll be able to kind of yeah. tell quickly. Yeah, isn't that's that something? Yeah, this is our happy summer solstice day and we are going to be just enjoying having yeah, a... as a matter of fact vicky it goes down at 8 58 p.m okay so that's what we'll do we'll go out on the yeah. patio and watch the sunset and just watch the sunset yeah yes exactly. that's great and now yeah. you know in other countries like the <clears throat> netherlands you've been to amsterdam oh yeah probably won't set till 11 something because they're closer to the yes you know, Arctic Circle. So there, there'll be light. Like when I went over there in the summer, there'll it'll still be light around eleven o'clock. Yes, it was. Even... That threw me off when I went over Remember? there. Remember? Yeah, that threw me off. I was like, Natalie, why the hell am I still seeing daylight? It's it's eleven oh, was o'clock. Natalie with, was Natalie with you? Yeah, because she went over there to do her. Remember how she did her summer like an uh -huh. internship health policy stuff uh -huh. when she was at Case and they looked at the health system and all that. It was doing, and that was that four-week yeah. program during the summer. That's where she was in Amsterdam. Yeah, the, the sun goes down in Amsterdam at 10.06. Wow. Yeah. And it gets, yeah. and it, it's going to get longer for them, right? Yeah, and it, the uh, sun came up this morning at 5.18. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you go there in the winter, like I've been there in the winter, the sun goes down at like about 6 o'clock in the evening. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. But hey, we are oh, here. Yeah. It is spring, summer. I'm getting all my stuff cleaned out. I um, saw your little flowers. Flowers are blooming. We, it's we, officially summer. It's the officially summer. <laughs> flowers. It's officially summer. It's officially Official. summer. Yes, 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 yes. How was your week then, D? It was good. I uh, went to several, a couple of Juneteenth uh, okay. celebrations. celebrations. One yeah. in Canton that was really fun. Mm -hmm. And then one in Cleveland that was really fun. And folks were out. And I was really happy to be able to support black vendors. Yes. You know, selling their wares. And there were a lot of people out there doing voter registration. Okay. Um, for people. There were the Divine, some of the members of the Divine Nine were out there doing their political things, NAACP, Urban League, and all of that. So it was really good. I mean, in addition to the food that they had, Canton was better than Cleveland, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but it was really a good time. It was a time to, to fellowship. That's the word I want to use. Fellowship. Yes, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yes, Juneteenth. So they finally made it into a national holiday yeah, uh, so monday holiday. Yeah. yeah so monday banks were closed and yes no mail or anything like that mm -hmm. so there it is like there you say are. that yeah there you go there's like you said there it are, there it are. <laughs> yeah there it are. well d what is going on this week everything vicky everything well like i said june is men's health month and men's health month encourages men and boys to take charge of their health by making healthy lifestyle decisions and according to the centers of for disease control and prevention cdc 13.2 percent of men age 18 and over are in fair or poor health throughout june men's health month aims to encourage boys and men to take charge of their overall health by implementing healthy 
living decisions. In general, men in the U.S. are expected to live nearly six years less than women. And non-Hispanic, Black, and American Indian, Alaska Native men have a lower life expectancy than non-Hispanic white men. Many diseases that disproportionately impact men like heart disease and cancer are preventable through regular doctor's visits and healthy lifestyle choices. However, one survey found that 63% of men of color report not getting regular health screenings. Men are also more likely to have lower health literacy levels. That's what we are honing on now. That's why, you know, Vicky Fitness, we've always been about education and helping yeah. folks understand because they're not going to get on there on CDC and on uh, Research JAMA and the, the medical. They can't read. Right. So we have Period. to bring it to them. Period. Right. So they have lower health literacy levels than women, meaning that they may struggle to find, even to understand and use information and services required to make informed decisions about their health. And so the HHS, Office of Minority Health, is committed to advancing better health through better understanding for racial and ethnic minority boys and men by providing them with culturally and linguistically competent health care services, information and resources. I want to encourage all of you guys, not just the men, but families, go and find out more information about this initiative and the health literacy program. You want to visit OMHs, that's Office of Minority Health's National Minority Health Month page at www.minorityhealth.hhs.gov. Yeah, what do you think about the whole minority health stuff? You know, I um I have worked with the Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health with HIV AIDS and Hepatitis C, and it's a good program. Okay. Um, they do good work. Mm. It's under the I think it's under HHA, the Department of Health and Human Services. Yes. So, so yeah, with I've the, been involved with them for several years. So good for them. Good yeah. For them. So they're trying to do a health literacy to get the word out for men mm -hmm. and all of that for all of that's their good. health issues. So so that's good. a good thing. Yes. Yes. Good. Hey, D, we're excited about our friend in Youngstown. Yes. 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 Our friend, longtime Youngstown restaurant, Charles Staples Barbecue Store Restaurant is sold. The new owners will continue Charles Staples Barbecue and New Venture Pit Boss eSports Lounge. Longtime Valley Business has been sold to new owners. Charles Staples Barbecue has been sold to new owners Casey Pitts and his wife, Dr. Tonya Farmer Pitts. As of Tuesday, the restaurant first opened as a barbecue stand in 1939 by Bill Robinson, who purchased the barbecue sauce recipe from a woman who moved to Youngstown from down south at the time. Staples bought the restaurant in 1974 and has operated and grown the business to its current location in Youngstown at 372 West Rand Avenue. Farmer Pitts told 21 News we're excited to continue the legacy of Mr. Staples and to have the opportunity to continue our vision for Charles Staples Barbecue and Pit Boss Esports Lounge. Pitt said he plans to merge the success of his Pitt's Boss Barbecue and Game Lounge in Warren and will expand the menu with some of his signature items from his Warren location. The Warren location suffered a fire nearly a years ago. 
Pitt said that the famous sauces that are available in many stores will continue. Yeah, so kudos to kudos. him, Dr. Tanya. We we love her. She's been on our show. Yeah. Yeah. As a otolaryngologist, ear, nose, and throat physician. Ear, nose, and throat physician, and always, you know, supported Casey Pitts and his his um Absolutely. business. So. It's great that they're moving forward. Yes, yes, yes. That's good. And it was so tragic when the fire happened last year. Yes. And we know that Charlie Staples, he has put a cup of love in his stuff for for, for a a long time. time. Yes. And, you know, he continued this business while they lived in Houston, Texas for many years. Yes, he did. They left Youngstown and they moved to Houston. Uh-huh. He continued the business and, and then uh-huh. came back and he and March came back and took it over and they had a have a booming business and they they really as we say fell into a tub of buddy when they butter when they started building all those dormitories around their building. Yes, yes. So they fed right into the Youngstown State University. Students. Yes. So that, that was perfect. That was perfect. So congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. And guys. good to have a, a black business doing what we like to do make money exactly make money make money there you go (laughs) there it is well venus we were talking about venus she gets the wild card yeah i was really very surprised yeah she came back and i guess she won you know you know so as we say you do the french open then between the big grand slams and uh tournaments we always have the ATPs and a lot of the pros go there to yeah. tighten up and get ready, so to speak, for the next, you know, Grand Slam happening and all of that kind of stuff that they're trying to do at the big tournament. So I guess the uh, Wimbledon is starting later this year. It's not starting until July 3rd. So Venus gets the wild card. Uh, It says in this article that she prepares for the 24th Wimbledon after receiving the wild card. She will make her 24th appearance in the singles draw at Wimbledon after the after the 43-year-old American was given a wild card entry on Wednesday, Williams is a five-time Wimbledon singles champion and reached the final in 2017, two decades after her debut at the All England Club, ranked 697th in the world. Wow. That's that's very low, isn't it? Compared to how she used to be, right? Yeah. Williams beat 48th ranked Camila Georgie on Monday at the Rothsay Classic in Birmingham. This was in Birmingham. It was her first victory over a player in the top 50 in nearly four years. The seven-time Grand Slam singles champion next plays Jelena Ostapinko at the mm-hmm. Wimbledon warm-up event. So it goes on. It talks about how that Serena, you know, she she stepped away and, and did her announcement last year of retiring. And so, yeah, we shall see this year. Yeah, well, at least, you know, we'll have at least another year of a, of a, of a William sister. Kudos. Kudos to her, right? Yeah. Kudos to her. So, D, tell us what's the latest? What's coming to get us? So, yeah. So, what what's coming to get us? So, fungal. <laughs> inf- this is an article. What's coming to get us? <laughs> fungal infections more deadly when COVID's involved, says the CDC. The mortality rate reached forty nine percent versus twelve percent for fungal infections not associated with COVID cases. 
So mortality rates among patients hospitalized for COVID-associated fungal infections were significantly higher compared with pandemic-era fungal infections not linked with the virus, according to data from the CDC. From 2020 to 2021, the mortality rate for in-hospital COVID-associated fungal infections was 48.5%, compared with 12.3% for non-COVID-associated fungal infections, reported Jeremy Gold of the CDC in Atlanta and colleagues. He's an MD. COVID-associated fungal infections with the highest mortality rates involved aspergillosis, invasive candidiasis, mucormycosis, and unspecified mycosis they noted in the Journal of Emerging Infectious Diseases. This was consistent with previously reported data that showed COVID-associated deaths from fungal infections versus non-COVID-associated fungal infection deaths more frequently involved candida, which we see a lot, and aspergillus, which is a mole or mm. fungus. Our findings emphasize the importance of maintaining a high index of clinical suspicion for fungal infections in patients at high risk, including those with COVID-19, and the need for increased fungal disease surveillance to detect and evaluate emerging trends, Gold and his colleagues wrote. Among 59,000 fungal infection hospitalizations from 2019 to 2021, rates per 10,000 hospitalizations increased from 22.3 in 2019 to 25 in 2020 and 26.8 in 2021, an average annual percentage change of 8.5% gold and team set. From 2020 through 2021, 13.4% of 39,000 fungal hospitalizations were linked to COVID. Rates of COVID-associated fungal infections per 10,000 COVID hospitalizations increased almost 25%. Hospitalizations for COVID-associated fungal infections involved longer stays with a medium of 21 days versus nine and were more likely to involve intensive care, 70 versus 35. And that's, I've noticed that myself, that's true. Okay. Use of invasive mechanical ventilation was also more likely for patients with COVID-associated fungal infections. The researchers also highlighted highlighted that COVID-associated fungal infections were more likely than non-COVID-associated infections to occur in men and Hispanic Latino individuals. They were also more likely to occur in Western states. Racial and ethnic disparities observed for fungal infection-associated hospitalization rates might relate to long-standing inequities in social health determinants, you think, mm -hmm. such as lack of access to medical care or occupational exposures, the same thing that happened with COVID period, mm -hmm. and prevalence of underlying conditions such as diabetes that might increase fungal and COVID infection risk among certain minority groups, said Dr. Gold. Therapies involving the immune system also have played a role. They noted COVID infection is substantial, is a substantial risk factor for certain fungal infections, particularly those caused by invasive moles, likely because of COVID-related immune system dysregulation and immunosuppressive therapies such as corticosteroids or other immunomodulatory medications, of which there are a lot of them. Those drugs that you hear that, M, that end in MAB, monoclonal antibodies, uh -huh. those are the immunomodulatory medications. The ones that come on and say, this is a good med, and then 30 minutes of the side effects. Those are the ones. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. For this study, the researchers used the Premier Healthcare Database Special COVID-19 Release 
a hospital-based all-payer database used by the CDC to inform COVID response activities. They identified hospitalizations involving fungal infections and COVID from 2019 through December 2021. Median patient age, 63 for those with COVID-associated fungal infection hospitalizations, and 61 for those with non-COVID-associated fungal infection hospitalizations. Gold and colleagues noted that fungal diagnosis codes might be associated with underreporting, misclassification, and nonspecific coding of pathogenic fungi, which was a limitation to their study. Data on fungal infections during the pandemic, including hospitalization rates and healthcare utilizations, are lacking because many fungal diseases are not reported in the United States. Mm. So there you have it. And I've noticed mm-hmm. that to be true. All of that is true. Mm-hmm. The patients that have the fungal, but you sometimes you got to hunt and search for these fungal infections. Uh-huh. There's a new, newer test out now called a fungitel okay. that you can order. That's a blood test. So like if the blood cultures aren't positive, okay. uh, if they're not positive, then you can order this blood test. that will sort of help you, as we say, get in through the back door of trying to find out whether patients have a fungal infection or not. Okay, so when they come uh, with a fungal infection, if it presents itself, how? How does it? It can present anyway, just like a bacterial infection. Okay. Uh, But you just have to do blood tests and, and have to do surveillance tests to try to look for it. Okay. I mean, it can present with patients being really, really sick. Okay. The difference is you have to culture patients to look for the, for the fungus itself. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll yes, move. Your honey sweet and I have seen numerous patients like this. Oh, wow. Okay. That's why they're in intensive care. Right? Yep. Exactly. Yep. Wow. Many of them are on mechanical ventilation, intubated and on respirators. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you, Dee, for hooking you us up. So any welcome. any COVID stuff going on? Or? No, nothing new. We're at a mild calm. A, a very mild calm. Well, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at vickidofitness.com. To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vickidofitness.com. And now back to the show. 
Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 91. Now, our first article, we're going to talk about men because it is Men's Health Month. And it's here are the health screenings that men need. And this was written in Health Day News. It starts out by saying many men will put off going to the doctor unless they are really sick. But men's health screenings help catch problems before symptoms appear. So how can you tell if a health screening or preventive care appointment is right for you? Well, the U.S. National Institutes of Health and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and the National Library of Medicine offers several men's health screening and preventative care recommendations. Many of these recommendations are guided by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, which is made up of experts in primary care and disease prevention. Here's a comprehensive guide based on this expert advice to the most important men's health screenings you will need and how often you should go to stay on top of your health. The first one will be physical exam. When to get it? You want to start at age 18. How often? Periodically or annually if you're age 65 or older. Regular exams by your doctor are used to screen for current and potential medical issues. A physical exam may include checking your height, weight, and BMI, body mass index, discussing healthy lifestyle practices, updating your vaccinations, talking about health issues or medical concerns you have, asking about your diet plan, exercise routine, and alcohol and tobacco use, asking if you're experiencing any issues with anxiety and depression. If you're age 65 and older, checking your blood pressure annually, your cholesterol every five years and discussing your medications. And we will always say as being proactive, you need to go on and buy that cuff, that automatic yeah. cuff at the CVS or any of those things and check any of your those places. <laughs> yep. Don't wait a year. You better be checking your stuff regularly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but yes, those are the things that you that happens at you know, going to get physical exam. Then you have the colon cancer screening. When do you get that? Well, you start at age 45. If you have a family history of uh, colon polyps or cancer, otherwise ages 50 to 75, how often? A stool-based test should be every year. Uh, your doctor may also recommend a stool DNA test every one to three years. A virtual colonoscopy Every five years. I was like, okay, what's a virtual colonoscopy? I don't know what that is. I mean, I thought you had to be there in person. Then. Yeah, me too. Right up close and personal. <laughs> you got me on that one. That's why I kept saying, huh? But yeah. And I got to get updated on the stool DNA test. Uh, isn't that something? Yeah. 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 Every yeah. five years you have a colonoscopy, a, sigma, a sigmoidoscopy every five to 10 uh -huh. years. Colonoscopy at least every 10 years. Screenings for colorectal cancer help your doctor determine if you have disease or even if you have precancerous polyps or if they're present before the symptoms occur. And that's what's important. And so the CDC notes that finding colorectal cancer or precancerous polyps are at this early stage is important because this is 
when treatments are more likely, most likely to cure or prevent the disease. Then you do lung cancer screening. When do you get that? Well, ages 50 to 80, if you smoke or stop smoking within the past 15 years, plus have a 20 pack year smoking history, you got to do it every year. According to the CDC, more men, 13.1%, Then women, 10.1% in the U.S., smoked cigarettes in 2021. Smoking is one of the most dangerous health behaviors there is. Johns Hopkins University tobacco researcher Dr. Jonas Thurl said in a recent NIH article, the USPSTF notes that smoking and age are the two most important risk factors for developing lung cancer which is why screenings using the low-dose computed tomography, which is the LDCT, are recommended annually. Just like colon cancer, the CDC says that early treatments for lung cancer have the best results. Blood pressure screening, 18 years and older is when to get it. How often, it says every year, if you have a first degree relative with high blood pressure, your blood pressure reading is 20 to 129 of mercury on the top or 70 to 79 millimeters of mercury on the bottom or higher. You are black. That means you got to get your blood pressure screenings often. You need it if you have diabetes or overweight or have other health conditions that put you at increased risk for developing high pressure. And if you're 65 or older, every three to five years, you get your blood pressure screening by, you know, the doctors and so forth. Your blood pressure is within the normal range. It has to be below 120 on top and below 80 on bottom. And if you have no hypertension risk factors, you get it every three to five years. But only, this is said by David Goff Jr., he said only about half the people in the country who have high blood pressure are controlled to recommended levels. And so I believe that. Yeah. We could prevent a lot more heart attacks and stroke if more people had their blood pressure well controlled. And he's the director of cardiovascular sciences at the U.S. National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute. And he said that in a recent NIH article. Blood pressure checks help ensure your blood pressure is under control. They allow your doctor to set you up on a treatment plan right away to reduce high blood pressure if it's found during screening. Skin cancer screening, when to get it. Skin cancer behavioral counseling is what they call it. Ages 18 to 24, ages 18 or older, if you have fair skin, you need to do the skin cancer behavior counseling. How often? Periodically. Although the USPSTF didn't find enough evidence to indicate skin cancer screening outweighs the risk of testing, they do recommend skin care behavioral counseling for both young adults and all adults with fair skin. This education is aimed at ensuring people limit their exposure to ultraviolet radiation, which increases the risk of developing the disease. The U.S. National Cancer Institute notes that your doctor can help you determine if and how often you need skin cancer screening based on your risk factors for developing the condition and your past medical history. So what does this all mean for you? Well, most men don't like going to the doctor 
but these health screenings could help catch problems before symptoms surface and treatment becomes more tricky. So we're going to admonish all you men out there and even women and listening to all this stuff. I'm like, shoot, exactly. I might need to add some of this to my stuff. I do you need to run in there, run in there and check, you know, uh-huh. a couple of comments, the skin cancer. Well, first of all, the U.S. PSTS for the audience out there is United States Preventive Services Task Force, Mm -hmm. and they are tasked to make guidelines for like prostate screening, which they didn't talk about there too, Uh which is, and sometimes some of those screening um, recommendations have been kind of controversial because they have said that there are some biases associated with it. I think that I like what they have said there in this article, certainly with prostate cancer, as Dr. Nate will tell you, there've always been some issues about, you know, PSA levels in black men versus white men and what's considered normal and not normal kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. So that's good. No, yeah. that's um But then very, all numbers, you know, when we talk about pre-diabetic, you know, right. sometimes when we look at those numbers, you know, for black folks versus versus white folks and other racial things, you know, when our stuff starts showing a certain number, we probably should get on let's get on to it because yeah. we yeah. know that uh, disproportionately, we, we're going to have hypertension, heart disease, diabetes, and all that. So we need to get on point early. Yeah. And then another thing with the skin cancer, Black people always under the impression that, well, we can't get melanoma. We can't. We can. Yes, we can. We can get melanoma. We can get skin cancer. So Big it time. behooves you if you, you, I mean, I think that you should go to your dermatologist at least once a year to just have a look over, once over, over your body. Mm-hmm. But certainly if you see a lesion that looks kind of abnormal, go to your dermatologist to make sure that it's not a melanoma or a skin cancer. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Well, Dee, why don't you start with this okay. article? Gladly. That was yeah. great. It was. I'm I- glad you put this in here. I've been looking at this book on LinkedIn, and mm-hmm. a la- it's funny. Last night I tried to get it on Amazon. It's not ready for hard copy yet. Yeah, it not won't yet. Until September, so you can uh-huh. only get it, I guess, on Kindle or something else. But mm-hmm. this is a book by Brian Williams, Doctor Brian Williams, who mm-hmm. is a trauma surgeon in Dallas and a candidate for U.S. Congress. He's running for Congress. Do we know what party he's running for, Ricky? No, I was trying to find that out. While I'm while I'm reading this, maybe you could check let me see, see if I can figure that out. For. Yeah. Um, so the title of his book, "The Bodies Keep Coming." Yes. Dispatches from a Black Trauma Surgeon on Racism, Violence, and How We Heal. Grady used to call it Shady Grady. Yeah. Grady, <laughs> Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, first opened as a 14-bed public hospital in 1892, the same year the first immigrants passed through Ellis Island. Grady Hospital is also where I trained, according to Doctor. Williams as a trauma surgeon and critical care specialist. It's hard to imagine a clear manifestation of the racialized U.S. healthcare system than Grady Hospital. During the Jim Crow era, Atlantans referred to the hospital in the plural form, the Grady's, because it was essentially two different hospitals contained in a single building. During my fellowship training, many of the elders I cared for still referred to it as such. For many years, Grady had four wings. A and B for white patients with enviable views of the city, and D and E wings on the opposite side for black patients with views of the neighborhood blight. A long hallway connected the two segregated wards, and black doctors were disallowed into the hospital to care for their own patients who had been admitted. As the years progressed, I took for granted how much care patients received without oversight by more senior doctors. Day-to-day decisions at Grady were relegated to fellows, residents, and interns. We can debate whether this was a superb learning environment for surgical trainees or medical exploitation. 
What is beyond debate is that when the same trainees cared for patients across town at the university hospitals, which mostly served wealthy white patients, they had more stringent oversight. A rolling history of exploitation and of an experimentation on black people has fostered distrust of the medical establishment. A brief survey of history includes J. Marion Sims, past president of the American Medical Association and often revered as the father of modern gynecology who performed barbaric vaginal operations on enslaved women. They were denied anesthesia, physically restrained and repeatedly mutilated. Involuntary hysterectomies. Fannie Lou Hamer, who was the one who said, you're sick and tired, uh, sick and tired until you, what, what, what did she say? Tired sick, and tired sick and tired of being sick and tired. Sick and tired, right. Sick and tired of being sick, sick and, and tired. tired. Yes. Fannie Lou Hamer came to call this the Mississippi appendectomy, which were frequently performed on women, often by medical students in training. These are part of the legacy of dehumanizing attempts to control Black women's reproductive lives, as Dorothy E. Roberts describes in Killing the Black Body. We are likely aware of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, the multi-generation study run by the federal government in which the United States Public Health Service denied 600 black men therapeutic penicillin from 1932 to 1972 to allow the study of the natural progression of latent syphilis. You may not be aware that the Pentagon funded a study of non-therapeutic whole body irradiation from 1960 to 1971. All the subjects were poor, most were black, and 25% of the patients' subjects died within one month of exposure. The Radiological Society of North America awarded the leading research physician its highest honor. They conducted this research through the 60s as the United States prepared to land men on the moon, and the study didn't end until the year before my younger sister was born, according to Dr. Williams. Harriet Washington documents these studies and more in Medical Apartheid, and as Washington demonstrates in carte blanche, the erosion of medical consent, academic medical cons medical centers like the ones where I have spent my entire career were placed geographically precisely to exploit this reality. But Washington says it best. Many medical institutions are located in predominantly African-American and poverty-stricken areas. This is not accidental, but by design. The proximity of black bodies for display, teaching, practice, and training materials was an economic boon for medical schools and a selling point in recruiting medical students. To be clear, academic medical institutions were co-located by design adjacent to racially segregated, poverty-stricken neighborhoods. What better way to recruit medical trainees than to boast of the amazing opportunities to hone their craft? Mm. We're better to literally practice medicine than in a community of de facto experimental subjects who have no other options. When I came of age in the 80s, Black women, many of them in their teens like me, were still the prime target for controlled reproduction through forced sterilization. And in the 1990s, the Medical University of South Carolina enrolled pregnant Black women in drug addiction research without their knowledge, took a critical look at your nearest academic medical center, and you are likely to find the exploitation still thriving. Even today, Black Americans identified with euphemisms like urban poor or socioeconomically disadvantaged, go ahead, brother, preach, mm -hmm. still serve as a ready supply for medical research the era of involuntary experimentation has evolved into a complex system of waiver of consent used as a procedural means to circumvent obtaining informed consent. From 1996 to 2017, 
46,000, almost 47,000 patients were enrolled in 41 trials for modern therapeutic drugs and medical devices in which the FDA granted an exception from informed consent or EFIC. In EFIC trials, which are designed for patients with life-threatening conditions, subjects are required to opt out rather than opt in. That means in certain situations, you can be enrolled in a study without your, without your informed consent. Of the nearly 47,000 patients enrolled in these studies, 96% were enrolled without their consent. Many interventions had adverse effects, including death. That's an adverse event. Mm -hmm. And nearly one third of the research subjects were Black Americans. You can make cogent arguments that this work is legal and necessary to advance medical science. But legal does not mean ethical. Mm -mm. Ethics and equity demand a higher standard, and research requires relationships, not paternalism. It requires respect, not exploitation. When I started medical school, I had no idea my life as an academic surgeon would make me complicit in a system built on the invisible exploitation of the bodies of my people. Mm. We practice medicine on vulnerable Black people. We perfect our surgical techniques on broken Black bodies. During my years at Grady, my laser focus was to become one of the top trauma surgeons on the planet. Did not believe I could do anything more than perfect my skills, save lives one at a time, and teach others what I knew. These were nothing more than bullet wounds to me. As a trauma surgeon, I could repair the wound, but to question what kept the bodies coming to my trauma bay in the first place. To repair the upstream societal ills that funneled the bodies towards the hospital. I didn't even think to ask. I kept my head down and scalpel, ready for the next trauma. This is excellent. I, I mean, mm. ditto, ditto. Everything he says is absolutely true. And I came out almost 20 years. Uh -huh. He came out in the early 80s. I came out about 15 years before he did. And it was worse then. Mm. So all everything that he is saying is absolutely true. It was a thing when women would come into the emergency room with abdominal pain, white women, it was appendectomy, black women, it was always, I can't even think of it now because we don't talk about it so much, mm -hmm. but it was a pelvic inflammatory disease. Yes. PID because of PID pelvic inflammatory PID that's all you heard about sexually transmitted disease but not white women they were identified as having oh it's an appendectomy and a lot of tubal pregnancies were missed that way because they misidentified the patients as pelvic inflammatory disease instead of a tubal pregnancy so all of that is true now when I started the wards weren't segregated but I also trained in uh, North Carolina in my early years in, in college at Wake Forest Baptist Hospital, which, you know, in North Carolina, you can only imagine. So, you know, um, everything he says is true. Mm. There is not one thing that I can refute. And the sad part about it is what he said at the end, mm -hmm. which is what many of us say. We're so focused on just getting out of there, keeping our heads down, keeping our nose clean, don't make a lot of waves, mm -hmm. you know, become the best doctor that you can be and then get out. So but what I decided to do mm -hmm. once I got out was mm -hmm. to make sure that it would never happen to anybody under my watch. Mm -hmm. And so when the residents come in now, I want to call somebody by their first name. I'm quickly to change that mm -hmm. or you know, they quickly come in and want to take the sheets off of a black woman and white women are not treated the same way. So there's th those disparities have not gone away. Mm -hmm. They have not gone away. And it's up to us, I think, mm -hmm. as black physicians mm -hmm. to make sure that we put people, as you say, on point. Put them on point. Mm -hmm. On point. And no. we have to speak up because we're we're there in the mix, you know, and we are uh, I always say we are our brother's keeper. We are. 
Yeah. And these people have no one to advocate for them. Yes. No one. Yes. Maybe we can find him. That's what I'm saying. We got to find him and get his book or stuff. We he do. is a Democrat running yeah. for Congress. Okay, He's so great. we got to find out where he is and reach out to him. Yes. yes. That's going to be an awesome book. Yes, it yes. is. Yes. All right. And so our last article, we'll do this quickly. And it's talking about, it's men. We're still talking about men's health, but we're talking about mental health. What are the symptoms written by Health Day News? And it starts out, when it comes to mental health, men don't always seek help when they need it, but maybe they should. June is Men's Mental Health Month. So here are the most common mental health conditions men experience, the symptoms that may differ in men versus women and what resources are available for those seeking treatment options. Common mental health conditions in men, according to Mental Health America, the most common men's mental health conditions are depression and suicide and anxiety, bipolar disorder, eating disorders, psychosis and schizophrenia, and substance abuse. It's a sign of strength to talk about these issues with your health care provider, counselor, or a supportive family member or friend. Piedmont, okay, health care, family medicine physician, Dr. Abdullah, said in a recent study, as men, we tend to let stress build up until it affects our mental and physical health. Talking about your mental health is a way to take care of your body. How men's mental health symptoms may show up differently from women. The reasons that mental health symptoms can be different from men and women are complex, according to Catherine McHugh, who's the chief of psychology at McLean Hospital in Boston. She noted in the article that biology is not the only piece of the puzzle. There are also many social and cultural factors that play a role in mental health and wellness, such as social role expectations, discrimination and violence, the anxiety and depression association of American states that the main mental health symptoms in men that may be different from those found in women are abuse or misuse of drugs or alcohol, noticeable change in mood, appetite or energy levels, violent, controlling or abusive behavior, digestive issues, headaches and pain, escaping into work, sports, or other distracting behavior and risk-taking. Men with depression are also more likely than women to report symptoms of fatigue and loss of interest in work or hobbies, according to Mental Health America. Men and suicide. Men are particularly susceptible to suicide. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says men are four times more likely to commit suicide than women. And gay and bisexual men under the age of 25 are at a higher risk for attempting suicide than the general male population, according to Mental Health America. The Suicide Prevention Resource Center notes that one of the reasons for higher male suicide rates is that men are less likely to get behavior health care than women. The center suggests getting help before a mental health crisis occurs. This can include seeking behavior health care, such as seeing a therapist, connecting to family, friends, community, and social organizations, learning life skills like problem solving and strategies for adapting to change, engaging with spiritual, religious, or other belief practices that 
discourage suicide. Men's Mental Health Resources, How to Get Health, APA Psychologist Locator Tool. This is a tool. The American Psychological Association offers a database of thousands of therapists. Just put in your zip code, provider name, or practice area. Once the results show up, you can sort the psychologist by a variety of categories, such as gender and treatment methods. There's the mental health hotline. If you're looking for a men's mental health hotline to discuss your issues confidentially at no charge, the mental health hotline provides a toll-free number with counselors on standby 24-7. The organization also lists several condition-specific hotlines for health issues such as anxiety, depression, PTSD, and more plus links to helpful resources on these conditions. Man Therapy is another one. This website is actually administered by multiple agencies, including the Colorado Department of Public Health. It combines helpful mental health techniques and quizzes with humor and a uniquely human touch. There's an online peer chat, 20-point head inspection, and a worried about someone page to help loved ones of men who may be experiencing mental health issues. Therapy for Black Men, that's another resource. Multicultural Care meets mutual aid at Therapy for Black Men where the coaches and counselors um, strive to offer free or discounted services to black men with mental health concerns. You can meet in person or online for a session. And there's also a host of articles and social resources, including community organizations aimed at helping your mental health thrive. There's also the mental health medications, mental health medications. Several medications may be prescribed by your doctor to help you balance your mental health. According to the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health, these include antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, antipsychotic stimulants, mood stabilizers. If you're experiencing a mental health crisis or suicide ideation and need to talk to somebody, call. And we talked about this new number. It's 988. Call 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. The Lifeline offers free, confidential, emotional support across the United States, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so what does this mean for you? Well, men who struggle with their mental health don't always seek help, but experts offer guidance on how to get started on the road to recovery. So yes, this is this is something for you guys to really go back and listen. They have all of these resources that are great for you to reach out to. Therapy for black men. What else they got? Man therapy, you know, all of that. And if you are suffering and you need to talk to somebody because you're thinking about suicide, call that number 988. There's somebody there for you to talk to 24-7. No matter how it is, yes, somebody does want to listen to you. Go and call 988. So what do you say, D? 
I think this is excellent. You know, the United States Preventive Services Task Force that we just talked about today, just yesterday put out new guidelines that say that everybody under the age of 65 needs to be screened for anxiety disorders. Mm. And anxiety certainly goes along with mental health uh, mm-hmm. issues. So fortunately, we're starting to get COVID stopped a lot of things. And we had a lot of, and you know, this, the COVID thing had a lot to do with mental health too, because people found themselves alone. They there was very few people they could reach out to. There wasn't this closeness. Everything was Zoom, like you said on here. And men tend to, there's a stereotype stigma associated with that. And you see it in the army. Let's extrapolate mm-hmm. to the army and men mm-hmm. and how many, what the army has been dealing with over several years of the suicide mm-hmm. rate mm-hmm. of men in armed forces and women too, but certainly more with men. So good. Yes. Good. So yes, this is Men's Health. June will be out of here pretty soon. But whenever you listen to this, make sure that your health as men, those of us that have our brothers and our our husbands and and our children. Everybody that we said happy Father's Day to. Yes. Uncles. Yes. Let's make sure that we encourage them. Everybody everybody (laughs) that you think of as a father figure or a father, Mm -hmm. they need to be included. They need to be included to check on their health. No matter, no matter what, they need to check on their health. Well, Dee, this ends our show. So do you have some tips for us to think about? Yeah, just to kind of recap your comment about screening, uh, lung, colon, mm-hmm. uh, skin, blood pressure, diabetes are all very important things um, that the United States Public Services Task Force has given guidelines about those kind of screenings. And it again goes with our mantra know your numbers know know your your numbers numbers. and now know more about your health and then you know i presented the excerpt from dr williams's book i cannot wait to read this book because i was just having so many flashbacks Mm -hmm. of starting medical school in 1970 and he's talking about when he was in the early 80s and how bad it was Mm -hmm. and how bad it was Mm -hmm. even then in those days and this was in cleveland not even in you know there were still disparities and you know what we just can't say like was there are Oh, that's going on now, big time. So let's not talk about what was, let's talk about what is. And then lastly, your article about screenings and the mental mental health. health. Yes, the mental health for Mm -hmm. men. Mm -hmm. Yes, folks, go to these resources, you know. And and reach out. And there are people Mm 24-7 that are there for you to talk to, to reach out to. There's always somebody there for you to to talk out to. Things can't be, somebody will always be there to help you look at something a little bit different to hopefully save your life. Yes, indeed. And those of you, like we said, if you are suffering and thinking of suicide and everything, no, no. No, no. Go and call mm-hmm. this number 988. It's very simple. You can remember that. 988. Go yep. and call. And as always, folks, for more information, go to our website, vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.